And I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. We continue along with our interview series with Ontario Liberal leadership candidates today. As the party fights to renew itself and return as a fighting force in Ontario politics, we thought it was important to see who were the people wanting to spearhead that renewal. So, in keeping with that mission, we sat down with Kingston and the Islands MPP, Ted Shu. In the 2022 Ontario general election, Ted successfully won back his home riding of Kingston and the Islands from the New Democratic Party candidate. During the election, he was one of only 13 candidates across all parties to be endorsed as an environmental leader by GreenPack.ca and is currently the Liberal critic for Energy, Mines, Natural Resources and Forestry, and Citizenship and Multiculturalism. It should also be noted that as of today, he is the only leadership contender so far with a seat in the legislature. He joins us today. Thank you uh, to Kingston and the Islands MPP, uh, Ted Shu, uh, for uh, joining us today on the 905er. Uh, thank you, Ted, for taking the time from your busy schedule, your your campaign to uh, to chat with us. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here. So I guess uh, the, the, we'll start off with the same question we've been asking every every other Liberal leadership candidate. Why do you want to be Ontario Liberal Party leader? Well, maybe I could just start with a story. Um, I have people uh, in my riding, Kingston, the islands, we have about 20, 25,000 people without family doctors. And uh, a lot of seniors have, have written to me, to my constituency office, and just said, you know, you know what, I don't expect to have a family doctor again for the rest of my life. And that, that's a sad thing. And they're, and they're worried. They're worried about how they're going to get care. Uh, because family doctor or nurse practitioner, that's the gateway to, uh, to our healthcare system. And it's, it's stories like that that motivate me to want to wanna do something. Um, another story, something that I care about a lot, I, um, uh, I noticed that uh, recently uh, the, the provincial government is trying to get electricity. We need more electricity supply in the future. Everything's becoming more electric. We're plugging, we're going to buy electric vehicles, we're going to plug them in. Uh, recently, the provincial government came up short. They wanted to procure a certain amount of electricity. They didn't get all the electricity and the storage uh, that they needed, uh, which means we're going to have to pay more for it. And it, it's, uh, it bugs me that this provincial government um, delayed. When they came into office, they, they tore out EV charging stations. They killed uh, renewable energy projects, conservation programs. They lost time. And now they've realized they're wrong. So they're, they're procuring renewable energy, uh, new natural gas plants, uh, energy storage. They're putting in conservation programs, time of day pricing. They're doing going back to all of the things that were in place when they took power because they realized they were wrong. But one thing that's different in the last couple of years is everything's more expensive. So we're trying to do these things now and everything's more expensive. And we've got in the United States, we have this Inflation Reduction uh, Act in the United States. They're going to be putting big money into renewable energy and, and the electricity grid. And, and we've got a lineup behind them, which means we're going to pay even more. And I know from the industry that, that things are, I've been talking to people in industry and stuff is costing a lot more. So our new electricity supply, the new electricity storage is going to cost a lot more. So these things bug me. And we're, we're facing a crisis in cost of living, housing, healthcare capacity, 
there's still disruption in our education system, mental health and addictions. The economy's not working. There's still a skilled labor shortage. And young people today, they're inheriting a large debt. And we've got the climate crisis to pay for. So all of these things together uh, motivate me to want to do something. And I want to put my experience to good use. I have um, I worked in science for many years. I worked in, in finance and business. I managed a business line. I ran a sustainable energy association. Um, and I have experience in politics. And I want to use that experience. And the experience in politics that I have, I can use that to help the Liberal Party win. So if there's any Liberal partisans out there, I want them to know that in 2011, I ran uh, and won my federal seat in 2011. That was the worst showing ever for the federal Liberal Party. Uh, no shame to lose your seat in that election. Uh, Bonnie Crombie was one of the incumbents that, that lost her seat in that election. But I was a new guy and uh, I won the seat. I won Kingston and the Islands. And not only did I win, I increased the Liberal vote in Kingston and the Islands. And then again, in last year in 2022, this seat, uh, Kingston and the Islands, uh, became NDP in 2018. Um, I, I won the seat in 2022 when the provincial Liberals were doing very badly. So I can win when the party's losing. And I do it by building a team and connecting with all sorts of voters, voters that might lean NDP or might lean Green or might lean to the Red Tories. I connect with them and I'm able to get those votes. And I can do that across the province. I can help the party raise money. Um, I can help the party connect to a lot of the province that we haven't been well connected to, the rural, small town in Northern uh, Ontario uh, ridings where we're very weak. Kingston has a big, Kingston the Islands has a big rural part. About a hundred farms in my riding. I have uh, CFB Kingston, one of the most important military bases in the country. I have a mine in my riding. I also have uh, two universities and so a lot of students and professors <laughs> in a regional health center. So I have to talk to a lot of different voters and I can help the party win. So that's the third leg of why I want to run for leader. There, there's a lot to unpack in, in that answer. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, certainly you're, let's, Let's touch on on the last provincial election. You were one of the few uh, elected MPPs. Where, quite frankly, you know you're one of, one of eight uh, to, and, and, and you're not an incumbent. Uh, uh, you you weren't somebody who who was sitting on a long legacy of holding Kingston and the Islands. And I, so I I I know you you kind of mentioned you, you built connections, but I am curious, like how. That is a that was a huge turn turn against the tide to win a seat when, quite frankly, liberal odds in the last election were not on your side. So, can you maybe kind of go a little bit more in depth in that and kind of you know share share the uh, the secret recipe to success? Because uh, I'm sure not just liberals wanted to hear, it, but you know, yeah. if it all fails, you could do a self help guru. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, one thing last time was that I was nominated early. I was nominated one and a half years before the election. And I used that time to, uh, I got to every road and street in the riding. And in particular, I got to all the rural uh, parts of the riding. And uh, in fact, there's a funny story. I went to the door of, of one person uh, and he, had, he said, oh, I'm so happy you're the first politician to ever come to my door. Uh, I'll give you a bottle of maple syrup my homemade maple syrup. And you know what? Uh, I'll take a picture of you beside the car and I'll promise to give a bottle of maple syrup 
uh, to any politician to come to my door. So we agreed I could post this on social media. Um, and we also agreed that I wouldn't tell anybody the address so that to force other politicians to go and knock on doors and find this place. But I was, the thing is to, you got to meet voters in person. And that's one thing that I would say that I would like to do for the Ontario Liberal Party is go and meet people in person. The importance of meeting people in person is that I think you want to build trust and meeting people in person is I think the best way to build trust people, the human brain is wired to like, look at facial expression, voice, intonation, body language, to see how you interact when they ask you questions, hard questions. And I think that it's important for us to go in person to meet people. And, and it's even more important in this, the current day and age, you know, we have chat GPT and deep fake videos and people are going to believe less and less what they see on screens. So it's going to be even more important for the leader candidates, volunteers uh, to be present and to be meeting people of Ontario face to face. So that's one thing. I had a lot of time to do that. I also had, uh, I made use of that time to raise uh, to raise money. So I think we raised almost $200,000, a little bit less than $200,000 for, uh, for the election campaign. Um, but the time was a big deal. And I have to say that back in, uh, I had some name recognition from being the MP, but back in 2010, when I ran for the federal nomination, I had no name recognition. And I had to go through both times in 2010 and 2020, had to go through a contested nomination. Uh, that was difficult, but it was relatively open, fair and civil. And at the end of it, I had a very large number. I had two or 300 volunteers and donors, donors and uh, a bit of a public profile. And so I really benefited from having to uh, do the hard work of winning a nomination. And I think that helped a lot as well, because I was ready for the for the general election in uh, in 2011. So, I mean, I guess I mean, obviously the OLP has been through two elections now where it's where it's you know, not just in third place, but a long way in third place. And uh, we're in a kind of situation where, well, the NDP are the official opposition. Um, there's obviously a mountain to climb if the OLP is going to be going to replace them as the official opposition, still less if it's going to jump past them and actually form a government. Um, and I guess the sort of question I might ask is, you know, what is it about the OLP that, that, that you believe the province actually needs? And what can the OLP offer that the NDP can't offer or the Greens can't offer mm -hmm. or any progressive party can't offer? Well, let me, there's a lot of things, ways to answer that question, but let me say that the progressive parties, we want to, we want to change things. We want to improve things. And what I would say the Liberal Party does differently and what I would like the Liberal Party to do differently is uh, it's kind of like looking at this scientific approach. We like to ask ourselves, are we right? We like to ask people, uh, we like to consult with experts, ask people who are affected, we like to think for ourselves, um, but we we want to we need to check our thinking. Um, in science, I have a background as a scientist. In science, there's this idea that you should always be open to being wrong, to correcting your ideas, and there's a certain humility that makes science work. Science works, and it works with this sense of humility. And I want to bring that sense of humility to politics, and that's I think a crucial difference between the Liberal Party and other progressive parties 
is we'll think twice. It's like measure twice, cut once. This uh, uh, adage in uh, when you're making something, when you're sewing or <laughs> building a house, measure twice, cut once. That's something that I think is important for people to know about the Liberal Party. And I think people they're intrinsically know it. They In the last election, we actually got more votes than the NDP, uh, even though we had a lot less seats. People like that aspect of the Liberal Party, and they also like that the Liberal Party is trying to balance uh, fiscal responsibility with social uh, progress. And, and if the Liberal Party is a party of equal opportunity, those things are not, people still want those things. And that's what the Liberal Party is offering. And I think that's why the potential is there. Uh, but we need to we need to earn the trust. We need to re-earn the trust of voters. And that's, that's hard work. It's not easy. Do, do you think... Um... I mean, what, what? I mean, one thing that's certainly the case. I mean, that the the NDP chose their leader. It was uh, uh, there was only one candidate in the race, so it's a very different kind of race to the one the LP is going to be having. There's certainly um, a considerable number of people running in this race, uh, and people with a you know a variety of experience levels, former ministers, both provincially and um, uh, federally, former current mayors, etc., <laughs> um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, what do you, what's the thing that you would say, well, you know, if you're going to pick between these, uh, how many do we have? Five, four or five, six uh, candidates. Uh, um, uh, this is, this is the thing that sets me apart. Mm -hmm. This is the thing that you can kind of hang your hat on. That's going to, going to make a difference if you choose me. Mm -hmm. So I would say a number of things. Number one, amongst the four registered candidates, I'm the only one with experience being, in the third party caucus in the legislature. I'm the only one, I have five and a half years experience. You know, whoever wins this leadership is not gonna become the premier. They're gonna be leading a party without official party status, sitting in the, uh, in the corner there, the third party in the legislature uh, with no funding because we don't have official party status. And you've gotta learn, you've gotta know how to work with caucus. You've gotta earn, uh, really earn media because they'll go to the ministers first and then the official opposition. You've gotta get attention, you've gotta, raise money, you've got to rebuild the party. So I have experience in that. But I also have a lot of experience outside of politics. I've worked in science. I've worked in, in finance. I managed a business line when I was working in, in finance. And I, I ran a sustainable energy uh, association. So I have a lot of experience outside of politics, as well as the experience in politics that's going to be immediately uh, needed to get us out of that third party uh, position. So that's one thing I would say. The second thing is, uh, you know, having a seat means that I can uh, work closely with the caucus and, you know, there's no money for a leader's office. So you've got to work closely with caucus, but with a seat in the legislature, you have some tools. You can stand up in question period. You can directly confront the ministers. You can confront them from time to time in committee. You can place items on the order paper, questions, motions, private members bills. Uh, so there are a lot of uh, levers uh, if you have a seat in the legislature that you should be uh, using. And then finally, I'd say, you know, Kingston's a riding with, with a rural part and an urban part. Uh, it is, you know, I'm the only one of the leadership candidates that comes from a riding like that. And we have got to become relevant again in small town, rural and northern Ontario. And so that's something that I'm offering as well. What? I... I... You know, the, the, I'm curious to know, like, aside from running to to be liberal leader, of course, I mean, let's be frank here. The real job you're looking for is that of premier 
of Ontario. Yes. Um, so let, let's not split hairs, but what, what, if somebody's listening to this podcast, you're going to say, okay, Ted Shu becomes pre- next election by some miracle. You become premier of, of Ontario in one shot. Great. Congratulations. What would be the one thing that you want or the things that you think you need to change? Yeah. Con- concrete examples. I, I don't, I, I'm not really looking for the, the high profile. Sure. Which you watch stuff. I'm like, what's the number one thing that you want to tackle day one as mm-hmm. premier of the province? So, yeah, I, th- I think I'll have to mention a couple of things. Sure. Uh, go ahead. I am because I am determined to win this leadership race, as you say, ultimately, because I want to be the premier of the province and, and to help. So housing is in a crisis situation. I want it to be treated like a crisis because it sure feels like a crisis to a lot of people. And housing touches everything. A lot of problems would be made easier to solve if we dealt with housing. And if we don't do it, if we don't deal with housing, uh, we're not, our economy is not going to be working. Society is going to have all sorts of problems that are much harder to deal with. So I, I want to have a competitive and uh, a caring and fair Ontario. Another aspect of uh, making Ontario competitive is, is making our energy system better. And that's related to climate change. So we've got to do this transition to uh, an economy that is much less dependent on burning fossil fuels. We've got to do it in a smart way. Uh, and I want to fix the, fix the energy system. We've got to invest more in renewable energy, in energy storage. Uh, we're going to have to thread the needle on uh, nuclear energy. We need nuclear energy. Uh, but exactly how we're going to do that needs to be uh, worked out. The energy system is complicated, but it's also fundamental to having a strong economy and to having industry and also to having just everything electrified. So we're going to be electrifying our transportation. We're going to be electrifying our home heating, starting from the south of Ontario. And we've got to manage that transition because we also cannot get rid of natural gas uh, burning overnight and probably not even over the next decade. It's going to have to be phased in. And so managing that is something that I want to do well. Um, and we've got to solve, I have to mention one more thing because people are hurting from this and that is our healthcare system. Uh, it, it, we have to have a long-term plan for healthcare. Uh, if only, you know, just as an illustration, if only because doctors take a long time to train. Mm-hmm. So we need to plan well in advance. And there are so many good ideas out there for healthcare, which I'm happy to talk about. Uh, I can see them in Kingston, uh, but I'm sure there are a lot of other similar ideas elsewhere in the province. But we have to, I want to deal with some of the big things that are on people's minds. Health, housing and cost of living, healthcare, uh, climate change. Those are three big things. The, well, you, sorry, but just, uh, just jumping in a second there. Uh, I mean, I guess probably every every uh, candidate we speak to from from uh, from the OLP will mention healthcare as one of the big ones. Um, I'm pretty sure if we spoke to someone from the NDP, they they mention healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously is a big issue, but specifically, what needs to be fixed? You know, if you you know, it's the healthcare system is so right. vast yes. and in many ways so vast and unwieldy right. um, that you know turning that kind of tanker mm-hmm. around is, is one of the problems that sort yes. of every government faces i think yeah. um so what would be the kind of things that you think that would transform the healthcare system in a so i would say three maybe three main areas one is primary care 
um, and having enough physicians and uh, nurse practitioners. But it, it has to be organized in a certain way because medical students are choosing not to go into family medicine. And when, when they graduate in family medicine, they're choosing not to work full-time in family medicine. So there are a lot of initiatives. Uh, and in Kingston, there's, there's one uh, that people are working on, uh, which is a geographic health home, but it's changing the working conditions of, for, for, for family doctors and for nurse practitioners so that, for example, they don't have to do so much uh, paperwork and that they're working in teams uh, with people so that there's a less, less waste in terms of transferring uh, patients from one, one specialist to another or one professional to another. Um, and then there's this idea of geographic health homes where everybody in a certain geographic area gets covered by a particular clinic. So these are ideas that are out there for primary uh, care. There's another uh, initiative in Kingston, which is actually in operation now, and that's transitional care. So when people leave hospitals, uh, if they have the right kind of transitional care, then they won't be, they'll have the proper primary care when they leave and they won't be coming back to the hospitals, which is a big problem that is very costly. And so there's a very successful uh, program that I visited recently in Kingston to provide transitional care. Second leg of healthcare would be mental health and addictions. And that is, people can see evidence of that in every every city with, with uh, the, the tent communities, people on the streets. Uh, it's very, very present. That is something that we need to work on uh, with starting with housing and there's not enough housing to uh, provide the supportive housing that's needed uh, to help people uh, with who have problems, for example, with, with addictions. Um, do, you, do you think, um, say, you know, mental health right now, most people would have to pay to, to get access to a mental health professional or a psychologist or, or similar. Mm -hmm. um, if you, you, you know, you can access yes there are these long waiting lists there's a shortage of psychiatrists that's another area where uh, besides family doctors that's the second area where there's a shortage but do you um, think say so, say uh, mental health professionals should be covered under OHIP in the same way that the other types of healthcare? Are? i, mean, I think that healthcare mental health professionals after all, could be part of these uh health teams uh, that we're creating and and the other thing is i think we need to spend some money to encourage uh, mental health professionals to work outside of the urban areas because it's almost like uh, right now we don't have a program to encourage mental health professionals to to go to rural and northern areas it, it's kind of the service kind of falls off a cliff when you leave the cities uh, so i and, and we know for example the the problem with uh, addictions and and overdoses is worse is the worst in northern ontario so I, I think we do need to spend some money to uh, to expand mental health services. And I, I won't comment on the details, but I, I can see the need. Uh, the, but the third leg is, is elder care. We're, um, especially in the last few years, when we look at long-term care. And if we keep going on this sort of institutional model of long-term care uh, that we're going on now, it's going to cost a lot of money. And But there's an alternative. The alternative is home and community-based care, helping uh, old, our elderly uh, populations stay at home, receive some services. Maybe there are these, there's, there's programs which uh, take advantage of naturally occurring retirement communities to provide activities and socialization and physical activity to keep people happier and healthier and out of long-term care institutions. Uh, that is uh, something that, I think should be central to transforming elder care. Uh, and all of these, uh, if we don't do something now, it's gonna cost a lot of money in the future. So 
those are some ideas for healthcare. And uh, it is, you're right, it is a vast field, but, but we have to act. Otherwise, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be paying more in the future and, and people are going to be suffering in the meantime. Um, I want to go back on, on something that you'd said. You, you're, of all the candidates that we've talked to, you're the only one who's brought up energy as a concern of yours or, or a policy that you want to tackle. And I can, I can already hear the emails coming into the podcast with, you know, liberals plus energy equals failure. The, the, you know, the, the, a lot of people say the last time, last time the liberals were in power underneath Kathleen Wynne and Dalton McGinty, the energy file was their Achilles heel. They lost a lot of that trust on the energy file with the gas plants and, and the green energy act in certain circles. And I'm curious, you know, how are how are you going to overcome that initial reluctance by public to just basically not trust the liberals when it comes to energy? I think it's a matter of earning trust overall and just being clear and, and being honest about what the situation is. So the current situation, if people are upset about, for example, high prices, the current situation is that the last budget of the provincial government had $6 billion. In fact, almost all of the energy ministry's budget was $6 billion in uh, energy subsidy. So you may think that your uh, hydro bill is, is, well, you may think it's high, but a lot of it, a lot of that is because the government has taken uh, the money that it actually costs to run the system and put it on your tax bill. Uh, and so, I think we just need to be honest about what needs to be what needs to be done and earn trust overall. I'm the energy critic of the uh, Liberal Caucus, and so I regularly stand up, and I can. Uh, the answers that I get are mainly rhetoric based on the point that you made that people don't trust liberals on on energy, and so they just go back and use the use the rhetoric. But I believe that I if I keep telling the truth uh, and trying to earn trust overall. And so that there's a whole process to that involving traveling around and meeting with people uh, that I can earn back uh, the trust of the people. I, I don't want to apologize. I, I don't want to be apologizing for the uh, for for everything, but I just need to be stating the truth. And if there's criticism of the past, that's that's fine. Uh, but I've got to look forward because we have a big challenge ahead of us. Uh I guess uh, uh, there's another thing you mentioned earlier on. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting point and, and a really important point that maybe should be a much bigger point. And that is that um, at the last election, the, the Ontario Liberals actually got more votes than the, the New Democrats did and yet got uh, a very, you know, a far, far, far smaller number of, of seats. Um, that brings up the, the the topic of proportional representation uh, or electoral reform and things like that. Uh, is that something that that you think the the uh, OLP should be looking at again? Um, mm -hmm. Well, it's not my main. It's not the main thing that I want to talk about uh, in my leadership, uh, and I don't think it would be a main plank in in election platform. Not a main plank, but I I. My stand is pretty clear because I voted. I have a voting record in the House of Commons. I voted in favor of mixed member uh, proportional, and I think that uh, whatever you think of proportional representation, uh, it's 
it's really bad when a caucus gets shut out of an entire region because of the the vote splitting or the way the votes uh, go. I think that uh, caucuses are much better if you have representation from every region. I like uh, this idea of regional top up, where you uh, you have one extra seat. You look at who got a lot of votes, but not very many seats. And so there'll be some sort of mathematical formula for that. And you, the party that got a lot of votes, but not very many seats gets one seat in that region. And so you don't get caucuses where you're completely missing, like, for example, the liberals right now might be missing any kind of voice from southwestern Ontario. It's unhealthy for caucuses to have discussions about policy where you've got to bring up, you've got to bring up uh all the disagreements and uh, diverse viewpoints. And if you don't have representation from Northern Ontario, Southwestern Ontario, the caucus discussions are skewed. So I think this regional top-up is, is a good idea. And I'm on the record uh, with my voting record in the House of Commons and other statements I've been uh, making uh, for uh, this particular form of uh, proportional representation. Actually, uh, uh, probably uniquely amongst the people you'll talk about during this campaign. <laughs> Actually, lived, I lived in a country with MMR, with that kind of top-up system, uh, briefly before I came to Canada, uh, in that Scot the Scottish devolved parliament was elected that way. Um, I could bore you about it for hours, but um, yeah, no, I actually think it has a lot to recommend it, just putting my own opinion in, uh, having actually voted in that kind of election. Uh, I tend to think any system is better than one we have, but uh, anyway, that's a, a much bigger story for another day. But um, uh, it's, a, it's a subject that always comes on to the, which is, which is, which is never anybody's top priority. And that's kind of the reason perhaps why it never mm -hmm. gets to the top of anybody's list. I mean, maybe someone, you know, we, we kind of thought in 2015 that maybe the prime minister was going to you know do something and then it didn't happen. And, and, you know, again, we're back to that situation where it never seems to quite get to the top of the agenda. Do, mm -hmm. do you think it well, would help if someone gave it a bit of a push? Overwhelming number of people who, I mean, there are people who write in and talk about proportional representation, and I'm clear, like I yeah. support proportional representation, but yeah. but there are so many people who write in that they don't have a place to live or yeah. they don't have a family doctor. It's just overwhelming those other uh, problems. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have a livable climate, then... So yeah, none of this is worth talking about. Um, I I was going to say on that uh, rather depressing note, maybe that's where <laughs> we, we end off the episode. <laughs> uh, I just because we're I see we're coming up on our on our thirty minutes, and I don't want to keep you uh, any any longer. But um, I, I guess what what's the next uh, next step in your in your campaign? This is kind of just kicked off, and mm -hmm. you have we have until September. What's uh what what's your plans for the next uh, next few months or the next little bit? Well, I'll be traveling around a lot, uh, meeting people. Uh, some of the meetings will be virtual, but a lot of the meetings are in person for the reason I mentioned. It's it's trust building, uh, and uh, so just a lot of that. We're going to be putting out a little bit of policy over the next uh, few weeks because I, it's important to, for people to know where I stand on the the big things: mm -hmm. healthcare, environment, housing, economy. Uh, we already have some policy out now, uh, and we've got to continue to build our team. We've got to get people to, people need to, if they want to get involved in the liberal leadership race, uh, they need to take out a membership. It's free. And it's a chance for people as young as 14 years old to push the liberal party in the direction that they think it should go in. This is a really rare opportunity. 
And I think uh, people need to take advantage of it. It's one of your choices on the ballot in 2026. And this is your chance to help form that choice. And your voice counts for a lot because how many people are going to vote? Maybe a few hundred people in each riding. And you're going to be one of those votes. Because in a general election, it's one vote out of 30,000, 40,000, 50,000. But in a leadership, it's one out of 200, maybe 500, maybe 1,000 at worst. So you have a lot of weight and you can help decide one of the choices that comes on your ballot in 2026. That's a more optimistic note to leave this episode on. So let's <laughs> end on a high note. Uh, thanks very much, Ted, for, uh, for taking the time to come on. Uh, best of luck to you. And you. we'll see what, uh, what happens down the road. Take care. You too. Thank you very much for That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.